Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Your source for big gun talk. It's off tackle. Empire! Welcome to Northwestern Week on North Tackle Empire. As a couple of Medill grads, of course, we're here to talk about the most important, most impactful team in the Big Ten West Division. Welcome to Off Tackle Considered. Um, here from the studio I-696, where you can barely even hear the sound of construction in the distance as there is basically a, a moat of construction around your home at this point, Stephen. Where are you? When I purchased the home, it was uh, roughly two minutes from the interstate, but uh, as time has gone on, it's gotten to be about 20 minutes from the interstate as construction has simply prevented me from accessing it. Um, I want to once again reiterate that we are here on Off Toggle Empire to discuss Big Ten, uh, Big Ten football and, and all in all of its... Uh, all of its various oddities and uh, make sure that we get the entire breadth of the subject covered um, as as many sources don't don't go quite in as much depth as we intend to here but uh, we have the rest of the afternoon here and we're going to try to get right into it uh, I'm Steve Braun alongside with Andrew Kuchewski over there and we are recording from the um, from a new location, we are back in person for the first time since COVID happened. We've got two dogs. Um, they look too sleepy to interrupt us right now, but things may change. We'll see. Also very good to be here in our new facilities as we said here in Studio 696. Carpeted room, um, closed door, so very unlikely that anything short of a bark is going to disrupt our audio here today. And as we mentioned, of course, it is time now to speak about the Northwestern Wildcats. That would be the defending Big Ten West champion Northwestern Wildcats for the second time in three years. Notwithstanding that fact, a lot of uh, typical disrespect if you were to go through the offseason projections of fan bases from just about every team they play. Northwestern still seems to be one of those teams where when you get to them on your schedule, it's like, oh, that should be a win. Um, notwithstanding, again, the fact that they've won the Big Ten West the last two years, sent a couple guys in the first round of the NFL draft last season. Um, they've got a fair amount of turnover on both sides of the ball, but still, like it, it doesn't feel like the perception of Northwestern has really changed, even though they've had their best you know couple season stretch here in recent program history, really ever in program history. What what makes Northwestern uh, different from? Penn State or Michigan State, as far as, you know, the programs that aren't Ohio State in the Big Ten, they didn't beat Ohio State. Of course, neither did Wisconsin. But Wisconsin's discounting last year where they only got four four or five games in, their worst seasons from wins-loss perspectives have been ones where they won the Big Ten. Um, 
you know, the one where they did win the Big Ten with like a six and six record going into the title game or something, right? Yeah, twenty twelve because of you know because of reasons. But <laughs> because of point teams point being, spending, yeah. Wisconsin's been much more consistent in putting up gaudy win totals and and always being right there. In you know the the Big Ten West has gone through Wisconsin virtually every year. Yeah, and so if there's a little bit of a short changing of Northwestern, even at this point, it, it does it does feel that those two seasons when they won the West Division were very weird for very different reasons. Uh, even the 2018 season, there were stumbles again from Wisconsin and Iowa that you wouldn't normally expect to see. Not even the weirdest thing that happened in the Big Ten title race that season because Northwestern, of course, blew an enormous lead against a terrible Akron team at home. Um, yeah. that, that wasn't, of course, part of the race, but you know that Northwestern team was the one that went on to Man. win. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it was win the West. That feels like it was like ten years ago, but it, and yet still, I remember watching that game on uh, Game Tracker and seeing two defensive touchdowns, I believe, scored by Akron in like a three-minute live to like time span. Not to say nothing of time pass on the clock. So, uh, yeah, one of those things that kind of sticks out in your head. But in any case. There was, there was a tire fire of 2019 season between those two titles. Northwestern looked a lot more like their you know, better selves recently in 2020. Again, 2020 weirdness has to be accounted for. Uh, but now, after reclaiming the division title in uh, last season, they lose one of the more venerable coaches in all of college football and defensive coordinator Mike Hankwitz and a number of standout players. So there's going to be an interesting... Interplay here. First of all, when Fitz for the first time replaced an offensive coordinator and firing Mick McCall the year before, you know, the results are kind of mixed. But it's also fair to say that this has always been a program that's been slanted towards its defense anyway. So it'll be interesting to see how Northwestern turns the page with a new defensive coordinator. And then there's also the fact that from a bigger picture standpoint, as we crack open the Winfight Tribe Rooster of the Week, um, and you'll introduce that in a moment. The recruiting has also ticked up the last couple years here. And so it's going to be interesting for a program that formerly relied on developing, you know, putting kids in the incubator for a few years. Now they're getting a higher quality of player. Does that change their approach and their philosophy in playing guys early? Because they've also been a really good program with retention, but with the transfer portal being more wide open, much to Pat Fitzgerald's boomer chagrin, I'm sure. Uh, do they, again, change their approach there, get kids on the field early, and make sure that they hang on to them? Yes, and of course, win fight by win fight tribe rooster of the week this week coming from Ferndale Project, subsidiary of Eastern Market Brewing Company, and is a lemon meringue a la mode. And went back to this place uh, yesterday, and of course, that's the thing. It's 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 very the place is very pretentious and very expensive, um, but you know. What a better fit. <laughs> yeah. None it's more. Very Northwestern, but you know, the, the, the debate is over how much I like either of those things because I really like their beer. I don't care for Northwestern at all. So, But again, we, we, we reiterate, should any Northwestern grads out there be hesitating to try this, we have to repeat, very expensive. Very so, pretentious. <laughs> so we'll go to the roster a little bit. Offensively, Northwestern had the one-year plug-and-play at quarterback last year with Peyton Ramsey. He is passing on the free year from COVID. It, that guy's going to have some interesting stories. I mean, he feels like a guy that, if you're BTN, you would be dumb not to have him on. Like a, Even 
as just like a flyer for a broadcaster because what kind of stories could he tell you playing for two programs two two of the worst historical programs in college football history over the course of his career having great success with both of them um going to a new team winning a division title and then hanging it up with a year left on the table it it seems like he would be a very interesting guy to talk to but anyway well i mean let's also compare him to other uh, notable indian backups sander diamant that's another guy i'd like to see on btn <laughs> well I don't know that BTN can quite afford his appearance fees anymore. If his if his modeling career got off in the way that you would expect it to have for an attractive fellow such as himself, uh, he probably can't be bothered, to be honest. Uh, so the likely solution there is going to be turning to the portal once again um, and picking up Ryan Holinsky from South Carolina. They do still have Hunter Johnson kicking around, you know, the most most talented player in program history who they couldn't make any use of. And they could always dust off Andrew Marty if they've run into any disinterested rivals at the end of the season again. Not that that would ever happen. I don't know why I would even bring that up. Honestly, like, I was wondering myself, like, did we play Northwestern last year or did that game get canceled? <laughs> I don't even remember what happened. I don't think I actually watched a snap. I just can't do it anymore. Um, well, look, whatever, whatever ends up happening with Brett Bielma, I don't think he's going to approach the Northwestern matchup with quite the same air of disinterest that Lovey Smith did. Like, if only because that's going to be a difficult thing to match for the head coach of a college football program. Like, that kind of utter ennui for your, really your number one rival in in-state in-conference school. Like, it's difficult to get to where Lovey was on that in terms of just not giving a shit. So. I mean, because I, I don't... I, I think he must have thought that there was some situation where he would get, like, a better bowl slot if he lost to Northwestern because it was a very NFL mentality where we don't... It was it was very... Um, the it was, the it, late Peyton Manning Colts resting all their yes, starters for exactly. the last two yes, yes, games yes. of the it was, season. It was, we have to get ready for the playoffs, we're, so we're going to rest our starters. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I wonder... I, yes, I... I, got, I, I remember... I'll never forget that game where, like... They, they they then lost to the Jets because they benched Peyton Manning in like the second quarter. <laughs> and then every time they cut to the commercial, they, they cut to his face on the sidelines and he's just making the most performative pout to the camera <laughs> I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, to uh, continue with the personnel then, uh, they have a potential cornerstone, you know, Workhorse. I, you never want to cite the name Justin Jackson until a guy's proven himself in terms of Northwestern running backs. We've seen other guys pop up in the past, such as Isaiah Bowser. Uh, but Cam Porter, last year in a larger sample, looked like the guy. If you look at just the numbers, Evan Hull will stick out to you. But as you pointed out, I believe, in the past, a lot of those stats, in fact, most of them, were just him getting all the carries in the Illinois game. And yeah. so over the course of the season, Cam Porter was really the guy looked like the more versatile, complete back. You'd expect them to be okay there. They picked up a grad transfer from Bowling Green and Andrew Clare, who could give them a little bit of depth. The receiver group is going to be... It's going to be tough. Uh, they've, they have they they lose their top couple guys. Riley Lees and Ramon Chucky Bowman are both gone. They're going to get back J.J. Jefferson, who sat out last year on account of the COVID situation. But aside from that, there's really not a whole lot of experience in the receiver group. They do bring in Stephon Johnson from Kansas, but he's kind of a water bug in terms of size. Um, Jefferson is a very similar player that way. They don't really have much in the way of proven production out wide. That being said, though, offensive line should be quite a strength for them because last year, 
they they you would have thought that they would have a big hole with Rayshon Slater sitting out, but Peter Skaronsky stepped in as a true freshman and he was excellent. And so now they've got him back. They have a lot of experience on the right side. Garak, their center, is a redshirt senior. Um, Weiderker at right tackle is a redshirt senior. So a lot of experience. They've never been a particularly explosive run game, but with the combination of experience and upside they still have, I really like their potential the next couple of years to be a very good run game, especially if they keep Porter healthy and you know don't go to some other random guy and give him carries instead. Like you know, Again, Porter could be that Justin Jackson kind of guy behind a line like this, but they've got to find wide receivers. You, you assume Helinski's going to be okay in, in that he survived playing at South Carolina against the opponents he had, but yeah, this, this receiver group is going to be a challenge. Well, as far as, you know, Justin Jackson being that one that you always go back to, first off, very thankful that Pat Fitzgerald, uh, even if he's actually on Twitter, keeps saying that he's not because he's not around to see that uh, Justin Jackson is, in fact, very based as far as his politics are concerned. I believe this would uh, make Pat Fitzgerald have an aneurysm. But uh, second, there there were there were a couple of guys that looked like they were going to step up and be that guy. Of course, we talk about Bowser, we talk about uh, then uh, uh, Drake Anderson. Yeah. All appeared to be the guy, and both gone now. Yeah, so it, it really is Cam Porter's show again. We, you'd expect to see a little bit of uh, relief for him from Claire, from Evan Hull. They have a freshman, Anthony Tyus, out of the state of Michigan, who could be useful. Uh, in terms of other freshmen, you might look for on the offense. Jordan Mosley is a wide receiver who could make an impact as a freshman, a four-star out of Alabama. But aside from that, it it really is going to be Jefferson and Robinson, which. They're really more of slot size guys. So how Northwestern finds production outside the hashes, that's going to be a challenge. Um, they've never been a hugely explosive offense, but again, they've got the personnel to protect. They've got a quarterback who certainly has the physical abilities, um, and the run game should be good. So if they can find any kind of consistency outside, this offense should hum a little bit. Now, you're going to need to prove to me that in UCF they are not currently shooting some kind of reality show slash documentary thing involving all of the Power 5 cast-off running backs that Gus Malinon has scooped up. Um, relevant because Isaiah Bowser is among them. Yeah. I mean, my God, there's so many of them. Yeah, well, those guys plus Joe Milton. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'd watch it. They're, look, they're probably... Whether they're good or not, they're certainly going to be interesting. And there's a lot of names uh, talking, of course, about Central Florida that are going to be... <laughs> It, again, it's going to be must-see TV in, in so far as a group of five team can be that. Um, defensively, it, it's a strange combination of departure and retention. So the defensive line has great continuity from last year. Um, they're going to get Sam Dup Miller back from his sit-out year for COVID. Um, they still have Spivak and Trevor Kent on the interior. Don't really have much in the way of proven pass rush. They have a, So they've brought in a couple guys, Jeremy Miser, um, Jeffrey Pooler from West Virginia. Not exactly superstars, but guys who have played a good amount of football who could lend them a little bit of punch. And then normally you would expect losing a combo like Blake Gallagher and, um, and Patty Fisher would be a big problem. Fortunately, Northwestern does get Chris Bergen back, and they've already basically filled out their – they know who their next starters are. Um, Peter McIntyre and Bryce Gallagher. So they're continuing this very white-collar, like, fraud defense law firm um, thing that they've got going on with their linebacker group. I mean, Bergen, Gallagher, and McIntyre 
are, are basically going to get Bernie Madoff out of prison scot-free, I would think. So <laughs> they've filled that group back in. There's also probably their highest rated defensive recruit, Mac Wieline, I believe I'm saying that right. Um, as a guy who you could see rotate in at linebacker as well. Uh, and then the secondary, even after losing Greg Newsom, you figure they're going to be okay. Brandon Joseph stepped in as a redshirt freshman last year and was excellent as a safety, I believe, led the country in interceptions. Uh, they have decent but not great experience around him. You'd probably expect to see Cam Mitchell be the next top corner. Um, that's a group where they've really, you know, they, they've kind of had their ups and downs there. It, when their defense has vulnerability, that's usually where it is, is in the secondary where they're maybe not quite as athletic as they need to be. But they've also increased their talent level back there through recruiting recently. So that's not as much of an issue as it used to be. Yeah, there's been some of that going on. Northwestern is, is a... This program that is not really getting any credit for this, but they've been quietly uh, making these slight chipping chips away every year at increasing the talent level on the team. Obviously, it's not closing the gap to Ohio State. Nobody is, but um, it, it almost—it's it, almost the thing that year to year doesn't worth doesn't warrant mentioning. But you compare them even to five years ago. The level is slightly higher, and it's it's trending consistently upwards. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I guess that's just a thing where, um, you know, kind of like Wisconsin, you figure it at some point that's going to, you know, all, all of the consistency in winning is going to give you some returns as far as recruiting is concerned. Um, but, you know, once again... Northwestern just not getting anywhere near the credit that Wisconsin does for uh, for for being in a similar position, but nowhere near as consistently. Yeah, and it's been over a shorter period of time too. So, from a big picture standpoint, the recruiting class is only fiftieth in the country, which is you know eleventh best in the conference. But again, we're talking relative to their historic levels. That is better. Uh, a few blue chip recruits like the ones we mentioned. Another guy, Caleb Tiernan, um, offensive tackle, not likely to play this year. It's a fairly small class, too, if I recall, right? Yeah, 16 uh, high school players and I think a total of five or six transfers. So smaller than you see generally across the board, and class size does factor into those uh, recruiting rankings. And then the other thing, of course, to always keep in mind with Northwestern is they actually do have meaningful academic rules. I know fans of some other schools complain occasionally when a player here or there isn't able to qualify for various reasons. Well, imagine huge portions of the entire player pool just being ruled out from the beginning because that's the situation Northwestern plays in, as do Notre Dame, Stanford, Vanderbilt. So they're already playing with a limited pool to get to the 50th ranked class in the country while having to fight Notre Dame for every player you recruit. I mean, that's not a terrible situation to be in. A little bit of Sometimes you have to fight Notre Dame for your recruits, even after you've already recruited them and got them in the program. That'll happen. <laughs> Sometimes you lose those fights. So we'll finish up the discussion of Northwestern football looking at the schedule. Opening that Labor Day weekend, hosting a Friday night visit from Michigan State. To me, kind of the wild card team in the entire conference. Uh, I, I said it when we talked about them directly. I don't think Michigan State can help but be much better because they've imported a lot of talent. Um, it was such a chaotic offseason last year in their first year as a staff. So I can't help but think they're going to be better. Northwestern should still win that game, even though I'm going to be there and it's going to be very sad. Um 
so that should be a win. They have. I am also going to be there, so we're going to have some. Yeah. We're going to have some live correspondence going on then. Oh, I think I'm going to be way too lit to do that. It, I'm I'm going to be, dude, going to be faded by then. So, um, Indiana State in the non-conference, a trip to Duke, and then hosting Ohio, which again does not have Frank Solich anymore. He retired, but. The team that he built still in place. So you think those, that you're going to just be so lit that you won't want to do it, but in fact, you'll go, you'll get beyond that point. You'll be then so much more lit gonna, than that that you'll that you won't mind doing a bit again. You're going to make me blackout podcasts. <laughs> I'm not going to make anybody do anything that they're not comfortable with. Oh boy! Um, so there's no telling how those Duke how that Duke game is going to go. It it's this early season. Non-conference matchup for Northwestern. As I recall, the last time they had Stanford on these home-and-homes, they swept them. They've lost these games to Duke before, though. So, who, who can really say? I don't know the first thing about Duke football this offseason, except that one of their starting defensive ends plays for my team now. So, I don't know. Are they going to be any good? You tell me. I really I couldn't tell you the first I'll thing. I'll tell you what. Them. If Northwestern loses to Indiana State, then I actually like them to maybe take Ohio State to the fourth quarter in the title game. <laughs> Um, once they get into the conference schedule, again, there's that first week thing, but then they go into the non-con, and then in October, uh, trip to Nebraska, home against Rutgers, trip to Michigan, so the crossovers they've got there, um, Michigan State, Michigan, and Rutgers. Um, certainly fortunate there in that you're not getting Ohio State, you're not getting Penn State, so it's a very favorable schedule. Um, the rest of the division games then line up at the end of the season. Um, of the likely divisional challengers, I guess you would probably list, what, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota as the first three threats? I mean, I would say Wisconsin and Iowa, um, and then Minnesota uh, just a little bit behind. Yeah, so they get Minnesota and Iowa at home in back-to-back weeks, and then there's a trip to Camp Randall after that. So three-week stretch from the weekend of Halloween uh, until the middle of November with those key divisional games. They are playing Purdue at the neutral location of Wrigley Field, and then they go to Illinois to conclude the regular season. Yeah, of course, the uh, the, the, the wonderful tradition... You know, it's not been around too long of, of playing in a, in a deserted Memorial Stadium after Thanksgiving. That's just that's such a that's such a surreal vibe. Like it's, I don't know that it's necessarily unique because you know, you, there's a lot of places that don't have that great of attendance. But like, this is a situation where by by the you know by the third fourth quarter of this game, you could have like, you know, two thousand people in a sixty one thousand Seat Stadium. Mostly booing, too. <laughs> it's also a distinct possibility. But. So, in terms of expectations for Northwestern here, this is the defending division champion. They've got some turnover here. Again, new quarterback uh, changes on the back, mostly in the back seven of the defense, but with a couple of their standout players. What is a reasonable expectation for Northwestern? How do you expect them to shake out? I mean, you should certainly expect a bowl game at baseline. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I, okay, sure. I, I, I guess I, I assumed we were both behaving a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that, yes, the defending divisional champs ought to expect to go to a bowl game. It's not like that. But, I mean, if you recall, in 2012, they had a breakthrough 10-win season, 
and they proceeded to go five and seven the next two years. And then they win the Big Ten West and then immediately go three and nine. And then win the division after that. So, uh, <laughs> see, we, when we say people are not giving Northwestern respect, it's really you. <laughs> you are well, you are people. Well, in this situation. That's the thing about Northwestern though is that is that in theory you would expect them to post very consistent records because they are the exact same thing every single game, regardless of opponent. Unless you're Ohio State, what's going to happen is you're going to be in a one-score game with them in the fourth quarter, and someone's going to do something really stupid, and it just depends on some years it's Northwestern more often than not. It's it's usually the other team, but to varying degrees. Well, there, no, there you have it. And that's I, I bet if you were to look at their advanced metrics, there probably wasn't that big of a difference. I mean, except for their quarterback play, which was truly terrible in 2019. But I would bet for most of their advanced statistics, probably wasn't that big of a difference across 2018, 19, 20, even going back a couple because years Because 2018, by advanced statistics, they were they profiled as a very bad team. Not a very bad, but, but a, a mediocre team at best. Sure. But that's what... You, you hit on the point, though, which is that they play close games almost by design, I think. I, I, I don't know if Fitzgerald necessarily intends to be in close games that often, but he has recognized that the team he's built puts him there very often. He and his staff and his players are confident that they're going to win most of those. They can handle that pressure better than most other teams. Uh, and so when you get a little bit of variance in a couple of games, it makes big differences in the total win-loss because there's not that many games in a season. So And that is also the benefit that you get... Of, of having, say, a, a, a fourth-year starter at quarterback or just getting the best backup in college football uh, to, to become your starter. Except Justin Fields. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's just whenever I think of Justin Fields at Georgia, I just think of him running into the base defense on a fake punt. Yeah, on that punt play. Um, I mean, that's really by far his career highlight there. Good thing they kept starring Jake Fromm, though. They they achieved some serious heights with him. 100%. But anyway, back to, uh, to Northwestern. That's, that's why that quarterback play, though. That's why, not that quarterback isn't the most posi- important position here, but specifically, you've got to have somebody that can really take care of the ball well because it you know, just the ability to, to limit mistakes is way more important than the ability to make big plays in this with this team. Yeah, and so we'll see if they get that from Holinsky. So, all right, so I mean, when I said what are reasonable expectations, the, the frame I had in mind was, all right, so they're probably going to win at least something like eight games. Do we think, do I think that they're a division title winner again? You're, you're, you're saying, well, they should definitely go to a bowl. <laughs> I guess that's, in a way, we don't we don't disagree, but um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so because I do think there's going to be a big drop off in quarterback play. Um, I just think Peyton Ramsey was fantastic. So that's the thing. How much does that cost them? Um, they're going to win some games that it doesn't look like they should win, and they're going to lose some games that it looks like they should win. So I'm going to say about seven games seems right to me for regular season. Okay, I guess we'll see. But I can't pick what games they are. I assume that they'll beat Illinois because I don't I don't give a shit. Um, and then uh, Indiana State can, re- can make a reasonable assumption that if they lose to Indiana State, then they're going to the college football playoffs. Did, did, did you hear Moon's reaction to you asserting that you don't care about losing to Northwestern anymore? <laughs> I mean, why should I? The team doesn't. Um, so... Yeah, I just can't pick which the which games are. I mean, 
you'd say that it probably shouldn't be Rutgers, but I mean, Northwestern is overdue to lose to Rutgers at this point based on some of the games they've had with them. Yeah, that's that's true. They, they, they're, Rutgers owes them one. Yeah, Rutgers isn't exactly the doormat they used to be either. Well, all right, <laughs> again, yeah. I'm I'm looking for something in the eight and four, nine and three range in the regular season. Uh, your point about quarterback play is well taken, though. So I think we'll know in those first few games. I mean, if if Ryan Holinsky looks like a passable Peyton Ramsey clone, then there's no reason they can't run it back from what they were able to accomplish last year. But if he struggles and they're back on the quarterback carousel all year... Then they still might win their last seven games. Yeah, and, and I, I don't think their floor... I think they've... I think their talent level has increased enough that I don't think you're going to see three and nine out of them again. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see. Again, it, it, a little bit of simplification to say, well, it all comes down to the quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, big take there. But in Northwestern's case, that really was the difference over 18, 19, and 20. So we'll see how that goes. Now let's turn to a substantially more negative topic for our highly educated Northwestern audience and move to the game of basketball. Uh, last year was not great, and it comes on the heels of a previous season that was not great. I think my computer's frozen, but anyway. Um, again, recognizing that 2020 was such a bizarre data point and who knows what to make of it in a lot of ways, you know, the truth of the matter is Northwestern was a considerably better team with a barely better record. They improved their Ken Palm ranking from 2018-19 by almost, 50, or I'm sorry, from 19-20 to 20-21 by almost 50 spots. And they still were in firmly in the basement of the conference. Um, a very competitive conference. But that's, we talked about the range of Ken Palm rankings within the conference and, you know, there's very few. We compare that with the Pac-12, where there were, you know, most of the teams were worse than virtually every Big Ten team. Yeah, and and so the gap between them and the rest of the conference was substantial, but not so vast that there's no hope whatsoever. And on the floor, they've got enough carryover here that. The question becomes, is all experience good experience? Because they've got this core of guys who we've been talking about for a couple off-seasons now where you ask yourself, all right, so when do you get the next step? When do you get that big step from Pete Nance? When does Robbie Barron take more than a couple shots a game and stay out of foul trouble? When are you going to finally get you know, just an absolute star breakout season from Miller Cop? Do you think it's going to be this year? Now that he plays for Indiana, weirdly, yeah. That's, I mean, Probably. that's entirely possible. It, so, I mean, speak of one of the more bizarre, so I would have assumed, and again, we touched on this a little bit with Indiana, but Indiana's huge problem over the Archie Miller era was they couldn't shoot the ball worth a lick. Like, their outside shooting was atrocious. And so they go and they find a guy in Noah Cobb who has a nice-looking stroke, but his numbers don't lie. He's got enough volume by now to conclude he's really not that good of a shooter, but they bring him in, I, I well, guess. What I wonder, though, is if... That's kind of because of the role that he's had to play at Northwestern versus where Indiana would maybe have him in a smaller role that he'd be able to excel at more and play a little be. bit more to his strengths. It could be. But, you know, when in when Northwestern's offense was working, it did end up getting guys a lot of shots in rhythm. There were games where you could see cop cat getting catch-and-shoot situations, and sometimes you'd hit those shots 
oftentimes he wouldn't. They've again they've got these players that are capable of big time performances, but they have serious issues with both consistency and efficiency. Um, we mentioned Nance, but that's also as true with Chase Audige, the guy they imported from uh, William Mary, I think it was last year, as well as Boo Booey, who's more or less their full time point guard. These are all guys capable of having huge games, but they're also capable of playing you out of games with terrible shooting nights or turnover problems, foul trouble. Uh, they're not getting mature performances from the end. And these are all still younger guys, but they've played enough by now that you'd expect to see some of these issues start to improve. Yeah, and you know this was a this was a team that played Illinois in the first half to the tune of a like what a 10, 15 point lead. And when when you looked at it, it was absolutely earned. There weren't any unusual or uncharacteristic. Uh, you know, of course, Illinois shot like you know worse than usual, but it wasn't a thing where they were missing things that looks that were absolutely wide open. Of course, the same team also then scored ten points to Illinois' fifty-two or something in the second half. So, as a team that is that was capable of playing with very good teams, but generally not for forty contiguous minutes. No, and so now the question is: Do you get closer to your maximum? with more consistency and more regularity. They're losing Miller Cop, as we said. They're bringing in another transfer, um, this time fairly Dickinson, wing Elijah Williams. Which, the problem with that is that it's not a deeply silly name. No, you really yeah. want deeply silly names on Northwestern basketball. That's kind of always where they've really shown. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since they had a, a you know former Iron Curtain block you know, power forward center who scored four points a game. So um, their incoming freshman class is not likely to offer them a whole lot right away. All guard wing types in the 130 to 160 national recruit range, which is decent, especially for Northwestern, but none of those guys are likely to be instant stars. They could see some immediate impact out of Casey Simmons. He's the best of the group, but they're going to have to rely on improvement from the guys that they have. Um, that's that you know again. That's going to mean really the the strength of their team to me has been in their front court. That's where they've got guys with recruiting pedigree. We mentioned Nats, but Robbie Barron, um, Ryan Young, a guy who they still refuse to consistently start or get enough touches for. And I don't know if that's a conditioning issue or what, but in any case, they don't play Ryan Young enough. Um, they can't keep Pete Nance consistently out of foul trouble. Same thing with Barron. And then. You know, again, Boo Boo is capable of going off for 30 or 35 one night and then shooting two for 12 from the field the next. So they need to get some level of consistency here. They've got so much continuity. If it doesn't happen this year, the question is going to be when. Well, I mean, really, the question then becomes if. It used to be a question of when because I still had some confidence in their elevated talent level, in the work Chris Collins did in his first couple of years. Um, but man, Bryant McIntosh still ain't walking through that door. And they have not moved past that initial group of players and shown they're consistently able to put together a winning product. I mean, it's almost, you know, the, the, the wake of that tournament run is almost seeming like a bit of a Faustian bargain. Not that anybody would ever take it back, but oh boy, it, it is just not, it has taken an abrupt and decisive turn opposite direction so well, Northwestern's in a situation now in a Big Ten that is you know nationally elite and has programs that are continuing to solidify themselves in a position where they've got 
you know, a decent amount of, of, of savings and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're in decent financial position and they're, they're adding to that constantly, but the housing market keeps going up. The houses, the housing prices are going up faster than they can add to their positions. Right. And so that's, you kind of talk yourself there, but I was going to say, like, did they actually really drop off substantially? And I mean, they took a little bit of a step back when Pardon and Macintosh and Law all left, but I don't know that they that they really did take that big of a step back in terms of their on court product. I just think, as you say, this is a tough neighborhood and it's getting a lot tougher. Um, they could easily improve another twenty or thirty slots in the Ken Palm this year and still struggle to finish better than tenth or eleventh in the conference. I think there's going to be some space there. <laughs> I think Penn State and Minnesota are going to make a lot of room for them if they if they are so inclined to get their act together and step forward. Um, bunch of boomers dying in the neighborhood basically um so all of a sudden there's stock available in that you know 8th to 11th range in the conference um, from teams that i expect to struggle badly but yeah this is a tough neighborhood man that's really the upshot of how do you get better as northwestern basketball is these guys you've got who have played a lot who have the pedigree to be stars in this conference they gotta do it and it's gotta be now or the question will again not become when but can they well, I mean, my response to how do you get better at Northwestern basketball is, of course, always going to be, you don't, LOL, never. Your source for Big Ken Kong, it's off tackle, Empire.